Hey there, what's up? It is Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival in the podcast episode number 201. Now, in case you haven't noticed, we've been talking a lot about bug out evacuation strategies over the last couple of weeks. And part of the reason for that is we just passed the three year anniversary of the deadly flood that hit my little Texas town. And those events, as well as the people that couldn't escape in time, are really still on my mind. But also because when I talk to folks about their evacuation plan for a major disaster, I find that most either have no plan or a really bad plan. Now, in this week's interview, we're going to discover the best method for bugging out with your family if you're ever forced to leave your home and some road warrior tactics for getting there together in one piece. And don't worry about taking notes because, as usual, we've done all the heavy lifting for you with our free show notes, including a full transcription and a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points for you to collect and use as a reference guide as you build out your own survival plan. All you need to do is go over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 201 and download it all for free. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. One of the hardest decisions anyone has to make in the panic and desperation of a natural disaster or any crisis that hits close to home. Should I stay or should I go? Now, as you probably heard me say before, if you have to ask the question, the safest answer is most likely to go. Now, while your home is most often the safest place to be for protection, any number of circumstances can force you from your home to opt for a safer location for you and your family. Yet making the decision to go is only part of the problem. Getting there, especially during a mass evacuation that can transform once lonely highways into stop-and-go, bumper-to-bumper traffic jams that will challenge even the most equipped Mad Max monster truck in getting past the flaring tempers and panicked citizens who are all trying to escape the destruction at the same time. Now, one of the tactics we've discovered in the past is the benefit of taking multiple vehicles, either with your family or even a coordinated survival team. But what are the benefits of bugging out in a convoy? How do you prepare your vehicle and your group for the task? And how do you coordinate your travel? And what happens if one of you gets stuck, if you lose your way and get separated from your group? Well, the answers to these questions and more are all in store for you in this week's podcast episode. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And with us today to talk about bug out convoy tactics is the newest member of our trainer network, Russ Adler. Russ, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be here. Really good to have you on board. I've been checking out your stuff lately in the in the magazines and everything. And I love I love what you've got going there for the training. So I'm really excited about getting our audience over to check out your website and everything. Listen, everyone, if you haven't seen Russ in any of the magazines, read his articles or anything like that, he has over 28 years of combined experience in law enforcement tactical units and military contracting with deployments in sensitive leadership positions in Iraq and Afghanistan as a security contractor. He holds multiple high liability instructor certifications and has conducted protective security operations in major national national disaster uh, recovery efforts. He currently consults for Fortune 500 companies and manages security operations for high net worth individuals. On top of all that, Russ specializes in high-risk training packages for law enforcement, SWAT, and military spec ops personnel 
through his company, which is a registered government contractor. Now, learn more about Russ and his training. Make sure you visit him online at his website at www.fastnation.us. All right, so so Russ, we've t- when we talked about evacuations in the past, one of the things that we have talked about is the benefit of people not just, I mean, most people are thinking about just get the whole family, grab the kids, the, the dog, everybody, shove everybody in one vehicle and you head out. And it's, and it's logical, right? Because people are panicked, they're afraid, they're desperate, like your family wants to be together. But we've talked in the past about some of the benefits of perhaps taking, if you have more than one vehicle, taking more than one vehicle, or somebody might be part of like a survival team or something like that and going to convoy. But I wanted to get your opinion on it. Because uh, it seems like you're in you're that same mindset. So from your standpoint, what are the benefits of traveling, like evacuating during a disaster, in multiple vehicles? Well, the, the benefit, Jeff, it is very similar to what you mentioned prior to the to uh, us starting here. Is you know your best bet is to shelter in place if you can. Um, so if you're having to leave, if you're having to bug out. There's obviously something really wrong going on, especially in a mass evacuation or mass casualty evacuation scenario. So you want to have as much of what you normally have in your shelter in your castle with you. So redundancy is key. So if one is none, uh, and two is one, uh, that, that's, that's an old, uh, spec ops adage, uh, that they carry on deployments and in their training. So it's, it's good to have options. Uh, you can double your capacity, uh, splitting up uh, equitably between your vehicles as much as you can carry. Now, you you want to have a plan. The worst time to execute a plan is when you need it most, obviously. So, you know, just throwing a bunch of crap in the car because you think you need it uh, could could actually prove to be counterintuitive and counterproductive uh, during a disaster. You sh- you should always have that plan before you go. Um, during the scenario and then when you get to the location that you've planned to be at. And one of the other things I know uh, we talked about before is just that what if one vehicle breaks down? If you're only in one vehicle, you're basically shit out of luck right there. But if you have two vehicles, then you can't, you, you do have the ability to just shuttle some stuff. I mean, you might have to make some gear changes or, or things like that, but but it's better to have that, like you said, one, you know, one is none and two is two is one. Having a second vehicle might be the one, you know, one of those vehicles hopefully is going to get you where you need to go. So um, so that's another another benefit we talked about before, too. But let me ask you, it, um, in, in some of the major considerations that people need to have, because we talk about mindset, we talk about gear, we talk about all these things. But this is kind of a new concept for a lot of people to go out in in convoy or even to leave their leave their home when there's an evacuation going on when there might be other vehicles out there so what are some of the kind of the major considerations that people need to, to need to know before they even get on the road when it comes to evacuating in mass well you know everyday driving is a great training scenario when you go on your family vacations you know, it's not real comfortable to have one vehicle packed with everybody in it and all the crap that they're going to they're gonna carry for a week or two for summer break. One of the things that people can do that folks are considering uh, now, of course, now gas prices have gone up a little bit. 
But, you know, when they were reasonable and even if you want to plan and be even more prepared for something bad when, if or when it happens, is to use two vehicles in your everyday life planning. Um, in particular on vacations because of that redundancy aspect and because it's a great training opportunity. But, um, you know, the mental fortitude is where everything begins. It doesn't matter if you're talking about vehicle convoys, if you're talking about firearms training, if you're talking about dealing with a violent encounter in the workplace or at home or out and about in your daily travels. Um, Training is key and mental fortitude is key because in a mass casualty evacuation scenario, you know, during Hurricane Rita, right after Hurricane Katrina in 2005, uh, over a million people evacuated the, the Houston area and it caused a 100 mile long traffic jam. A hundred miles. Wow. Can you imagine that? <laughs> imagine the mental fortitude you're going to need to even you know be able to fathom something like that happening cars were breaking down they were overheating they were stuck on the side of the road so when you bring up you know your your mental capacity and and preparations that's very key to a situation like this because having worked in in the most major disasters our country's had in the last you know 15 years from Katrina to Marie, I just did two months in Puerto Rico seeing traffic patterns, seeing people on foot carrying things that, you know, just make you go, huh, wow, I, I you know, I never thought, never saw that coming, hmm. um, it is, is going to kind of make you trip over yourself for a minute and make you hesitate when you should really be focused on your surroundings um, and what's happening. You should have that understanding that really bad things are going to happen. You're going to see some really bad things. So having those explanations up front, especially if you have young children, whether they're your kids or grandkids or your friends' kids or neighbors' kids, uh, you know, having your answers pre-planned like, hey, folks, we're going to see some really weird stuff here, and we need to be ready for it. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because you think about how frustrating it is just to try and get to work in a traffic jam. And you get all angry, and it's like, oh, you're checking your watch. It's like, oh, I'm going to be late. My boss is going to be mad at me. Like, multiply that. And think about that in a 100-mile traffic jam. That's crazy. So setting that expectation for, look, we are going to we're going to see some some weird stuff out there, and you're going to see some angry people. And um, And I've heard you say this before, but, like, the rules of the road kind of go out the window. Like, if you were a happy-go-lucky driver before and letting people, oh, let, I'll let them in or whatever. You might have to be kind of a rude, obnoxious jerk just to be when you're thinking about the survival of your family. And it's, uh, yeah, it's all, it always, it's always interesting to me how it comes back over and over again to the mental foundation that you have for facing any disaster or attack or anything like that. It's really interesting. Absolutely. And you mentioned the rules of the road. Um, is when you're traveling in convoy or in concert with another vehicle, this is, this is what you need to think about. We want to be courteous to each other. So communication is key. First off communication between your vehicles. And that could be anywhere from having some preset or pre practiced hand signals, uh, either through the windshields, uh, or even leaning out the windshields, you know, safety, and environmental considerations permitting, but communicating with the people around you. If you come up on an intersection per se, and you might have someone directing the traffic, 
uh, you might want to hand signal out to them, say, hey, I, I've got five cars behind me or I've got three cars behind me. We're rolling through. They may tell you no, you know, uh, someone in a position of authority is going to put their hand up and stop. But having been in these situations in several occasions, you just don't stop. They're, they're not going to stand in front of a car. They're not going to draw their weapon and, you know, start shooting. People are going to be honking, you know, given, given the old California salute to you and, you know, using some, uh, some foul language, obviously, of course, because it's a high stress situation for everybody. But the key is think in these terms, do the math. If you're in a four way intersection and you let the guy to your right go. Then you let the guy in front of you go and then you get let the guy to your left go because you're being courteous. You're observing the rules of the road. And then by the time you get to go, your next vehicle in front of you is four vehicles ahead. And then you come up on a detour a couple miles ahead and they get routed straight and you get routed to the right or to the left or you get turned around. Then you've exponentially increased that distance and that uncertainty as to where you are. And when you're dealing with handheld communication devices, they have limits, especially in metropolitan areas. So, so these are all communi- uh, considerations to think about when traveling in concert with, with uh, loved ones, family and friends, um, is, is having a good communication plan and staying together. That is key, sticking together. Yeah, I, love, I mean that's that's a great tip. I haven't heard that before about you know really using like your hand signals. Even it's not just communicating with the people that are in your group, but also you know finding ways to easily communicate to people around you so that you can get everybody together and keep them going through the intersection or wherever it is. That's that's awesome. I haven't I haven't heard that before. Uh, listen, everybody, we've been talking with Russ Adler of FastNation.us about bug out convoy tactics, and of course we have a lot more in store for you, including. Dealing with that common rush hour traffic dilemma, what do you do when all the other lanes seem to be moving faster than yours? Also, swimming upstream, how to change directions when your best escape avenue is behind you, and how to respond when you're separated from your family or friends and a sea of angry, panicked, disaster refugees are in between you and your loved ones. All that and more coming right up. But first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. 
Okay, we're back with Russ Adler of FastNation.us talking about how to evacuate to your safe zone during a disaster and navigate the traffic challenges along the way with other vehicles that are in your group. It's time to really start getting into the nuts and bolts of convoy driving tactics, so let's go ahead and jump back in now. Now, Russ, I'm, I'm sure everybody has at one time in their life been in that stop-and-go, bumper-to-bumper traffic, trying to get to work somewhere in, in like an urban area, and it, it, it never fails. Like you're sitting there, you're stopped, and all of a sudden that lane next to you just starts zooming. And you're wondering, like, what's so special about that lane? So you jump over in that lane, and usually it's like a last minute, like you're checking your mirror, you're checking your mirror, and it's like, oh, you see like a an extra three inches you might be able to get, and you just quickly swerve out in front of there. But if you're evacuating and you have multiple vehicles in your convoy, taking that last second thing, well, the other people might not have that same opportunity to be able to do that. So what's the best way to change lanes if you need to, if you're in an area that's multiple lanes, or maybe they've got the highways closed off in one direction, they're using both lanes, but What's the best way to for you and the other vehicles that are in your evacuation convoy to make that lane shift together so that you don't get sep- separated? The the short answer is don't make hasty decisions. Um, don't make that quick lane change because you're driving for every car behind you. So if you're in the lead vehicle, you're actually driving for the rear vehicle. If there's two cars, if there's five cars, you're driving for the person at the very end. Uh, if you're the last vehicle in the convoy, you're the steering wheel. So so we use what we call blocking procedures. Uh, it's part of your TTPs or tactics, techniques, and procedures. You want to go as slow as you can, but as fast as you have to. And, and that sounds like an oxymoron because it kind of is. But when we're training for these types of operations, in particular, you know, guys who are going down range on deployments into hostile, non-permissive environments, which certain types of, you know, mass evacuations could turn in to those types of scenarios very, very quickly. So you have to treat them as such is you got to be careful of your surroundings and the other operators in that scenario. And one of the ways to do that is you're moving as one unit. You might have two vehicles, you might have 10 vehicles, but each one of those vehicles is moving as one, especially when you're interacting with others in that traffic pattern. So the rear person is going to decide when to change the lane. Uh, if the front person is getting antsy or sees something up ahead, uh, if the navigator's like, hey, we, you know, we've got a bad situation coming up here. Let's try and get in this other lane and move out. Uh, once again, going back to your communications plan. That is key. If not everybody has a handheld unit, uh, if you've got two, the front vehicle and the rear vehicle need to be the ones holding the units because they're driving for the rest of the convoy. If not, your hand signals work, your vehicle signals, something as simple as using your blinker. That's what they're designed for. Front vehicle uses the blinker. The, when the rear vehicle makes that move and blocks that lane, that's when everybody moves in unison as one. So that that is the best approach to take when uh, looking at route alterations or lane changes. Yeah, that's a that's that's a great tip. Let me ask you, um, what if you what if you do reach that like dead stop traffic? And and I'm, again, I'm gonna I think everybody can identify with this. Like you're on a trip to somewhere and you're trying to read the map, and all of a sudden you realize you missed the exit and under 
other circumstances, you might be able to take a different exit and go around, do a U-turn and do stuff like that. But in this type of situation, that might not be necessarily an option for you, and you might need to change directions. And I always wondered about, like, let's say that you are with your convoy, and you do realize that whether you're not going to be moving forward what's up ahead, you're not going to be able to take the median or things like that, or maybe there was an alternative route that you can use that is behind you, what are your what what strategies do you have for being able to literally like make a, basically make a U-turn in mass traffic with a convoy? That's a, I know it's a tough challenge, but what what strategies could help somebody? Well, it is tough, and keep in mind, I'm I'm going to hammer this. Um, you don't want to try this when you absolutely need it uh, when your life is at stake. These are things that you want to go to a a parking lot where a business is not open in the evening or early in the morning or on the weekend or something, a school parking lot, a church parking lot, and, and you can practice these things. Or if you got a friend with a bunch of property that you can actually do these maneuvers in, and, and we actually do these in, in our courses. You know, we have vehicle fighter courses. We have vehicle driving courses and stuff like that. You know, not trying to give a shameless plug. I'm just trying to emphasize the importance of practicing this before you actually need it. And the way you do it is very similar to the lane change is your first car becomes your rear car because they're going to block the oncoming traffic lane while the rest of the cars in the convoy make the U-turn, make their three-point turn or ten-point turn or six-point turn, however many turns it takes or just a straight U-turn. And they block the oncoming traffic. When everybody in the convoys reversed out, the rear vehicle becomes the first vehicle. And your first vehicle falls into the rear and everybody proceeds as directed. Now, you know, down the road, uh, if they want it to change out, if the first vehicle is, is, you know, that's your driver navigator, your best driver who's got the best reaction time and your most skilled driver needs to get back up front, they can make those arrangements as far as leapfrogging everybody else in the convoy uh, as such. But the key is practicing this stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you really want to pre-plan this, these types of, of actions on the objective and the objective being the route that you're on. Yeah. You know, it, it really brings to mind also, I know you, one of the things you talked about um, before was about just making sure everybody is in the right mental, has the right mindset of what to expect out there. And even in rush hour traffic trying to get to work, tempers can start flaring. So when we're talking about these types of things where you're stopping people in traffic, it's not just people that are trying to get to work in time so their boss doesn't yell at them. You're talking about people that are panicked, like that's not fair. If, if you're closing off traffic and um, stopping it, people that are trying to move forward and you have three or four vehicles or even two vehicles that you're, you're stopping everyone behind you. It's really just, I mean, I I think it's a whole other topic for us to talk about at some point of like security during this time. Other people really can be a threat during this road rage, even under the best circumstances is a reality for a lot of people out there in this type of situation, really understanding that, you need to protect yourselves, keep your windows rolled up. Th- those types of things are simple ones. You're not just going to pull out your, you know, your Uzi and start mowing down you know, citizens are out there, but it definitely, it needs to be part of that mindset where realize that you're going to be pissing some people off with these kinds of driving tactics and just knowing what it is and being prepared for it seems like a huge part of the preparation as well, right? You're, you're absolutely right, Jeff. And, and here's the thing. 
I, I kind of have a mantra that says twice as nice or twice as mean. You know you're going to piss people off. Why pick a fight if you don't need to, if you don't have to? So, you know, hands up. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, apologize. You know, be not really submissive, but empathetic. You know, show some empathy. Say, hey, I'm sorry. I know I'm I'm screwing up your plans, but my plans are screwed up. We'll be out of your hair in just a second. Now, if they want to up the ante or, you know, up the threat level, then you respond in kind. You have to be ready for that. That's where the mental fortitude comes in, is being ready to respond to any threat as it presents itself, hopefully seeing the the threat beforehand. Um, so if you're being nice saying, hey, the, us five vehicles are going to turn around and go this way, uh, just stand by. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And if they're just not having any of it, you may need to take other measures. And, and, and you got to keep in mind, you're in a, you know, 3,000 to 10,000 pound weapon with the vehicle itself. So, you know, gunplay should be the last thing on your mind during a scenario like that. You know, it should be an option. It should be in your kit, in your tool bag. But, you know, stick with the vehicles. Drive them until you can't and then uh, go from there. Slow as you can, as fast as you want to. Those really, really good points. And also, I think just uh, reiterates everybody, um, when we're talking about communication also, because this is another place where having some sort of handheld communication is can really work well because you might have to, I mean, you might have somebody that does come up on a car and starts a road rage incident and being able to communicate, understanding that phone lines might be down and things like that, having a secondary form of handheld communication or that you can use to get back up um, is going to be really helpful. So it's another reason for like in your preparation, you're talking about like having a, having a means of communication among the cars, um, having it so that it's not just relying on cell phones is another really good point. So let me ask you, Russ, the, the ultimate worst case scenario here, I think, is, is really where you do get separated, especially when your, you know, your loved ones can, everybody's scared. It's a really, it, it's not an easy situation to be in to begin with. Imagine like now your, your family is now six cars up ahead or, and the car in front of you broke down and now you're going to be even further up ahead. Things like that are, are really scary to people. There is even just the, the mental, um, uh, support of just knowing that you're together, even if you're in separate vehicles. So what does somebody do? If it's a worst case scenario and you do get separated, what are some of the things that people can do um, if that does happen? Like, well, how do you recover from that? Well, you know, going back to an old military uh, acronym, you have to pace yourself. Have a primary plan. You don't just throw a bunch of shit in the car and haul ass. That's the worst thing you can do, because if you get separated, you're going to be separated for a while trying to figure out where your where your significant others went. Um, so having a primary plan is key. Uh, different places along the route. I mentioned earlier, you know, using your vacations as a training time. If you travel for vacation, you need this anyways. Uh, if you're on a route, if you're going more than a couple hundred miles you know, from home, you need to know where things are at, you know, do your, do your advance work. Uh, we've had tremendous advances in technology that enable you to plan things. Uh, Google earth, you know, being able to look at, um, uh, a ground photos, current photos of intersections, roadways, travel ways, you know, planning different hotels or different restaurants. If you like a certain chain of restaurant, you know, it could be a part of your plan to, if we get separated, find the nearest 
Cracker Barrel or McDonald's or, 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 you know, whatever your favorite gas station is, you know, find the nearest shell station within a five mile radius. Now, if technology is down, that's going to be a little bit of a hindrance. So having pre-planned rally points, you know, meet at this exit or meet at this intersection of highway, plan different intersections that you know certain infrastructure is going to be in place and that's your meeting point. Have timelines established. Wait there for six hours. If we're not there, go to rally point number two. That would be your your contingency. So you have your primary and that's your alternate plan. If your alternate plan, you know, goes in the trash, then you go to your contingency plan, which is, you know, after your six hour or 12 hour wait, go to the next iteration of of the route that you have pre-planned. And then your emergency plan is either find some some folks where you can shelter in place, knowing that after you know, 6, 12, 18, 24 hours, you know, your lead people are going to backtrack and try and find you from there. Hmm. Yeah, all really good points. And, again, I guess going back to preparation, you know, one of the things you brought up, like rally points, um, making sure that each vehicle has its own map and that somebody knows how to read a, at least a road map, right? So, um, and there's, I mean, exactly. there's a really good, I mean, redundancy seems to be a big part of this, too, and I know you probably dealt with that a lot, like in Afghanistan, Iraq, and, just the vehicle convoys and things like that and just having that ability to be able to extract yourself quickly and regroup with, with, you know, whoever's in your party too. So, uh, Russ, really, really good stuff. And I think this is some, and, and I, and you're right. I mean, people can go out and this is something you don't have to wait for the next hurricane or whatever to, to practice. This is something that like, Hey, honey, uh, instead of us carpooling to work, uh, and, 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 you know, Facing that traffic head on together, like, let's, let's practice this. Let's try and let's take the same route we normally would. We're going to go to your work first and we're going to do it with two vehicles and we're going to practice these techniques. So this is something that people can really get out there, whether it's like you said, in a parking lot, um, and, and practice some of these things, but definitely requires practice ahead of time. This is something you don't want to do, uh, in, in the moment. So, uh, Russ, really great, great tips here. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and listen, I am going to do a shameless plug for you. Um, listen, I, I've gone over and checked out uh, Russ's website. It's amazing the kind of traffic, or I'm sorry, the training that he had. I'm still in traffic mode here. The training that's over there is is training that I've not really seen in, especially all in one place or in one one training team that's out there from vehicle related stuff, firearms training, survival training. There's a lot of great stuff over there, so I highly recommend go check out his website over at www dot fastnation.us and until our next modern combat survival broadcast this is jeff anderson is saying prepare train and survive this has been modern combat and survival. survival we hope you've enjoyed the show you can help us out by rating our podcast on itunes and leaving a comment you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.